0: The Footsteps of Jesus from Down Under. This is Nick Kurita, your host. Welcome to the program. I'm very happy to be with you again, and please stay with us. Today I've got a special guest, and you'll be very happy to hear Peter Pollock. You may have heard about his name, I'm sure, and uh, he's coming all the way from South Africa, joining us here on our program. Peter, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. It's uh, it's my privilege to be here, very much so.
0: I just uh, want to pass it to Pastor Stephen to ask a couple of questions because myself, I'm not so...
1: How you're not so sure it. about the cricket? No.
0: Thing. no. Actually, before I came to Australia, I never thought that this is such a sport, you know. But now, uh, learning a little bit about your background, you know. Well, actually, you're in the
1: best country to learn about that sport. Right? Okay. Are, are.
0: But I think Australia was quite, um, uh, how to say, hectic when you play against them. And I'm not sure I'm in mean the best country. Should I go in, in South Africa to you, learn you, more?
1: You mean, you mean we beat them up a bit? <laughs> yeah, no, It was something like that. <laughs>
0: we'll hear about uh, all these things pr- probably a bit more during the program. But Pastor Stephen, uh, would you like just to introduce our guest a bit and we we'll ask a couple of questions if
2: you like. Okay. Yeah, um, I come from New Zealand. And, oh, all um, right. In New Zealand, cricket is one of those games where um, if we win, it's great. And if we lose, it really doesn't matter because it's all about rugby. And um, But we know how good the South Africans and the Australians are at cricket. And um, I remember starting to watch cricket when I was quite young in the late 70s. And taking a degree of interest, but you played a bit before then, I
1: think. Yes, no. The, the New Zealanders are playing good cricket now too. They uh, are. They always have it. I mean, they got to the final of the World Cup uh, last year. So uh, you're being modest. Uh, they, they are they good rugby players and they good cricket players as well. Yes, no. I had, I had, I had quit. Uh, cricket by 1972. Mm-hmm. Uh, my career was uh, over for 11 years from starting in 1961 mm-hmm. through to 1972. Yeah. Uh, my, my career coincided with uh, South Africa and its political problems and by 1972 uh, South Africa was isolated so there was actually from then until the 90s there was no cricket at all yeah. uh, internationally just what was played at home yes just what was played at home
2: um, i remember um, when the rugby had the same the same kind of thing and when they came out to play again after everything was resolved um They played very good rugby, and I think the same thing happened with the cricket.
1: No, it did happen with the cricket, but rugby uh, was a bit more fortunate because, uh, you know, cricket is a very vulnerable game. As far as the demonstrators are concerned, Mm. you you can easily stop a a cricket match. Mm. But rugby wasn't uh, so bad, and they managed to continue for for longer. Mm. And we still had some tours. Mm. I mean, the ultimate for South Africans is to play uh, the New Zealanders. In, in and, rugby. Uh, yeah, in yes. rugby, because uh, there's no question about it. Uh, New Zealand rugby, a rugby union for such a small place, uh, they have an amazing record
2: uh, in, in rugby.
1: They but, do. Uh, yeah. So
2: for a South African, the ultimate to play cricket would be against Australia?
1: Uh, you know, it, it wasn't really that. Uh, when I was a youngster, my dream was to be a Springbok, which was to play cricket for South Africa and go to England. Okay, and beat England I always thought that the English thought they knew everything about cricket best go and beat them in England and they can't complain about the umpires so that was, <laughs> was that was my dream so yeah. it was there but I must say uh, that uh, for my brother Graham and I uh, the Australian I remember Don Bradman yeah. uh, Neil Harvey I remember Lindwall and Miller so uh, our our heroes uh, were Australian cricketers but the world of cricket was definitely dominated when I was a kid uh, by England and Australia they were the two two big nations uh, in the world of cricket so our heroes were there and we would have loved to uh, one day uh, beat Australia uh, as well but, but we'd like to beat England first preferably at lords of course but if it's somewhere else we're happy about that as well
2: oh that sounds really good uh-huh. Yeah, well, these days, of course, um, it's a whole different ball game with day-night cricket and all the rest of it coming in, in particularly in regards uh, to... Oh,
1: all, all that stuff. Uh, you, you know, test matches for five days, Yeah. Uh, interrupted by rain. We didn't make up time. Yes. Uh, and a draw was a result in mm. those days. Someone, particularly a bowler, needed to have a, a, a sort of a test match winning performance to turn the match. So there were a lot of draws yeah uh, there were fewer tests tests were big big yes. I remember when we came here in 63 uh, 64 test matches you know for 5 days the nation almost stood still yeah uh, there weren't uh, 50 you know the 50, 50 games or the t20s no it was just all about uh, tests and everything revolved and everything was on the all the the, the, the radios had the commentating and and that. it was it was big a big issue
2: Someone once said to me that um, when you're playing cricket that um, batsmen
1: can save a game, but bowlers win the game. Would that be a fair... You said you knew nothing about cricket. You know absolutely all that's needed to be (laughs) done. It it is. It's exactly that. Uh, uh, Batsmen don't win matches. It's a bowler. You've got to get 20 wickets in a a match to win Mm. the test match. So that is the issue. You're spot on. I think so. Yes.
0: You already... um Caught my interest here, and I may need to learn more about cricket. Uh, but um, that's
1: like a revelation uh, in in terms of understanding the game of cricket.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, look, we can spend hours and hours yes. to talk about uh, this uh, game and uh, also about your uh, time when you played. Your, your
1: um, I was skills. a force bowler. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, which side you play? Uh, and your career, you know. Yeah. But today, uh, Peter, I would like to hear something different from you. Yes. Now I know that you are uh, uh, traveling around the world, you know, and sharing something uh, even more interesting about than cricket, you know.
1: No question about
0: that. What's that?
1: Um, You know, South Africa is a a very Christian country. Uh, The statistics tell us something like 70-80% of South Africans are supposed to be Christians. I don't know where we get those statistics from. But I was brought up in in, in a sort of Christian country. Uh, Almost, I think in South Africa we think that Christianity is hereditary. Uh, I was uh, a Presbyterian. I was born a Presbyterian. Of course, Presbyterians uh, do believe that Presbyterians are a, a very select group of of Christians. And uh, my granddad was moderator of the Presbyterian Church on the day that I was born. He christened me and all that, so I had a very special start. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I went to all that. So, for to all intents and purposes, I was. Uh, a a Christian and I certainly had very firm views on what Christianity was all about had problems with some of the stuff that was going on in the church anyway uh, many many years later I I got married in 1966 I was a Presbyterian, my wife was an Anglican, she said it was a higher church than ours and I don't know, I went to some Anglican services, understood even less that was going on. So it obviously was a high at church, but we were Christians. We regarded ourselves. And then many years later, in fact, some 17 years into my marriage, I was uh, about 40 years old. uh, My wife got born again. Uh, She met the Lord Jesus Christ in a very dramatic way. Uh, And there was a bottom line, Uh, when Jesus Christ comes into a life, that life changes. Mm. And there was a dramatic change in her, and it made a huge impact on me. I had seen religion all my life, I had had views on religion, but now I saw change. And it was at home, because, you know, you can act things out, but at home you can't. And Mm. there was something very, very real had happened. And to cut a long story short, within a couple of months, uh, I'd I'd watched this. uh, I I wasn't happy about it. I questioned it. uh, And then one night I was sitting in front of a a TV set watching a Christian program. And uh, I I, I came to – it was a Christian program involving Reynard Bonker, He was being interviewed. It all had to do with Christianity and that. But in the process – of uh, the interview, I really got challenged. I got to realize for the first time just who Jesus Christ is. Mm. And in the process of the interview, uh, I, 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 my life came before me. I, I, I realized that I was in the process of trying to gain the world, something I would never achieve. But but, but more tragically, I was in the process of losing my soul. One challenge led to an, another, and by midnight that night, I went down to the bottom end of the garden and I gave my life to Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't get any warm feelings or hear any bells ringing, but I did do something that I hadn't done for 25 years, I I sobbed and cried like a baby. But when I said, Jesus, I know that you are the Son of God, and I invited him into my life and I gave my life to him, I gave my whole life to him, I didn't just add him on to my Christian CV. Uh, I, I meant business I had been 40 years old I had been 40 years in the wilderness and I I, I, I gave my life to Jesus and I, I can say it, it, it was it was categoric because I, I virtually went back into the house that night uh, never to be uh, the same again and it really was quite a shaker I mean when I was challenged uh, you know I was CEO of a multi million company I was chairman of this and president of this I lived in the best suburb in town. The kids were all doing pretty well. People looked up at the family. And, uh, you know, even as I sat in front of the TV set, uh, the challenge, nobody else would have been challenged as I was uh, there. And, uh, I I mean, it is a bit of a shaker when you you think that uh, life is about that. It's about success. It's about uh, getting somewhere. And then all of a sudden, you realize it. was uh, The question, too, that was asked of me uh, really was, what have I done with the things uh, that God gave me? He gave me a wife and four kids. Uh, what have I done with the stewardship? Anyway, uh, back into, into the house that night, next day, never to be the same. Within six years, uh, I had given up my fancy job, CEO, swapped my fancy Mercedes for a clapped-out old Skyline, had a Bible under my arm and set off to preach the gospel, and that was that was some some thirty years ago, and ever since then I've travelled the world, uh, preaching uh, the gospel, you know, as an evangelist. But but perhaps a bit more than that, uh, I've been been involved. Uh, you know, I, I went full time into the ministry and live by faith, and I have been doing the same ever since then. And that's that's why I'm in, in, in Australia. I come to Australia uh, every year. I come twice. I come for most of the month of May and most of the month of October, and I travel around, and I, I, I minister uh, at, 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 at various churches. I, I travel quite uh, uniquely interdenominationally, but my life is is, is, is all about uh, Jesus Christ.
0: That's wonderful, uh, Peter. And um, probably just now it's uh, time to take a short break, but please don't go anywhere. We are going to come back and listen to Peter's Pollock story. This is In the Footsteps of Jesus, From Down Under. Mm-hmm.
3: Loves people more than anything. God loves people more than anything. More than anything, He wants them to know. He'd rather die than let them go. Because God When they're too weak to try He feels their pain He knows their shame He cries with those who cry He won't give up or walk away When other people ¡Gracias
2: That was Sandra Interman with More Than Anything.
0: And we are back with uh, Peter Pollock, our special guest today, coming all the way from South Africa and sharing with us, uh, not just about cricket, where he knows the best, uh, but I think in the last period of time, which means more than 30 years, Peter is sharing something amazing with the world, and that's about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. Peter, what's your walk with Jesus? What you tell people when you you go and preach?
1: Well, you know, obviously over the over the years uh, it's, it's changed a little bit. When I first started, I I, I gave a testimony. I, I told the story, and and the story you start uh, parts of cricket and things that have happened to you. You find more and more how significant they all have been. Uh, when I looked back at my, my 40 years, uh, I, I realized that uh, 40 years uh, was a, a good spiritual time to spend in the wilderness. And I certainly, uh, I experienced all that, that stuff. I'd, I'd had a good life. I'd had a good life uh, at school. I did a, a, a very good life in terms of sport. Uh, I, I, I left school and I went into journalism, and my, my dad was the editor, so I had the right contacts, so I got a good job, but there was no money. And then I went into big business and ended up uh, with a, a top job. So you, I'd achieved all that stuff. And then meeting Jesus. And I, I mean, it really is that way, which is the, the emphasis of my whole story, is that. If I wanted uh, my life all over again, if someone had, up to the age of 40, if someone had said, if you wanted life over again, what would you change? I would probably say, no, I'll have the same life again. I was happy with that. And then I met Jesus. And, you know, that whole life paled into insignificance by comparison. And my life just changed. And, you know, that is the simple bottom line. When Jesus Christ comes into a life, that life uh, changes. And I think it's a great challenge to us in this day, day and age because a lot of people, even in the church, uh, are not so keen to to hear that. Uh, I think we think, well, there's God, and we'll take God and fit God into our processes and fit God into our lives. And we'd rather like to hear it that way. But uh, but God is, is is far more than that. God is an awesome, awesome God. I think in many ways we have undermined the awesomeness uh, of, of God and, and the awesomeness of the Lord Jesus Christ in this whole thing. And, um, you know, a, a lot of the ministry as the years have gone by have become more and more uh, in terms of that. It's from giving testimony. I remember once uh, going to a junior school and uh a uh, uh, junior school is a challenging audience, you know if you go into a junior school and those little kids they've got an attention span of about twenty two seconds, so it's hard to communicate. but I ended up having to go into this junior school the one day and uh, I asked the headmaster how long I had to speak for, and he said to me half oh, an hour i said well that 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 is a big challenge. For Uh, And what do you want me to speak about? And he said he wanted the gospel. So I said, that was an even bigger challenge. So so then he said, what would I do? So I said, look, uh, I'll tell them some stories for 25 minutes, and then I'll give them the gospel at the end. And, you know, he virtually turned on me. He said, stories, stories, stories. He said, I'm sick of stories. Everyone's telling stories. He said, even the church is telling stories. I don't want stories anymore. I want the gospel. And, and that was a turning point for me because at that stage, I'd been in the ministry for quite a long time, but I was busy telling stories. And it's, uh, you know, you tell the people the stories and they love the stories and they laugh at the stories and they find it it's quite emotional, some of the stories. But from that moment on, I was severely challenged to, to ease off a bit on the stories and get more involved with the truth that is the gospel because it is the gospel. Hmm. That is the power unto salvation for those who believe. And I must say that the the difference, it it made a huge difference. Uh, It made a huge difference to the responses. But as I moved a bit away from the stories and more with the gospel, I must tell you that that some of the doors closed too uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in in, in some of the schools and that. But, But so be it. That is the way of the world. Uh, That is the way it is. But I don't believe that there is a greater privilege than to know the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater privilege than to preach uh, the gospel. And if you say to me, what has been over the 36 years that you've been ministering, what has been the most amazing thing? I would have to say to you just very, very simply, it's just to see lives changed. Uh, it's not about the building of churches, it's not about religion, it's not about other, but I have seen men and women, and I'm talking about thousands and thousands of them, uh, whose lives have changed. You know, like, like the guy who got healed and they said, what happened to you? He said, I don't know, uh, but I was blind and now I see. I, I've met the Lord Jesus Christ and he has made a difference. And, I mean, that is God so loved that he gave us Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. And that is uh, th- that is ultimately the greatest event in the history of mankind. And, 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 and I consider it a great privilege to be able to preach the gospel.
0: And that's wonderful because you just mentioned, you know, the power of personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, yes. your personal testimony. It's so important to share it with the world. Now, to share the gospel, you wouldn't be able to share the gospel if you haven't got an encounter with the Master, with the the one who's uh, sending us to preach, if you like, or to, to just share the good news with the world. Now, you just said something a bit earlier about um, people even in the church who are more interested in um, in this uh, fancy life to achieve this and that. And too often we forgot who we are and what's our purpose on this earth, for this short span of life which we've got here. There's
1: there's, there's no question about that. I think we're reminded of uh you know god speaking to the church in ephesus and mm-hmm. i mean there he, he's complimenting the church and he says you are this you've you've grown big you do this you expose this you preach and the, but you you do all these fantastic things but you've forgotten about me hmm. you've forgotten about jesus christ and you know god has ordained it just simply this way that mankind, no human being, will find peace and fulfillment outside Jesus Christ because God has made it that way. And does it not make sense that if God has created all things, he's actually made it impossible for man to find fulfillment any other way than his way? Mm-hmm. And we have conjured up all sorts of ways we 've taken truths and made it into religion and we've made it into super spirituality and we've made it into all these other things when when in in real terms, the gospel is a very very simple truth it it really is a, it's i think uh, when people say to me sometimes when i when I preach about jesus and 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 I mean he is. Uh, he is all-sufficient in himself, and it is about the person of Jesus Christ. And I know people, even leaders in church, sometimes look at me and, and, and as if to say, you know, that's an oversimplification. And we are living in a day and age where uh, some people regard it as an oversimplification, but it isn't. Uh, it is. It is all about Jesus because God, almighty, awesome God, has ordained it that way.
0: Mm. Do you have a favorite passage in the Bible?
1: You know, I have so many favorite passages, but I think if I had to nominate a favorite, it would be Galatians uh, 6.14. God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I mean, and Paul was writing that, and he said, God forbid that I, and he could have boasted about so many things as a Christian, as a Christian leader and a, as a gifted Christian, but God forbid that I boast about any of those things except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That would be uh, my favorite.
0: That's wonderful. Peter, our time is coming to a close. Uh, went very quick. Uh, I would like to have more time to talk to you. But if you, if I'll ask you to share something or just tell our listeners just a simple thought or something which you like to leave with them, what that will be?
1: You know, I just, I just remember a friend of mine. He used to come on a Monday night, and he, 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 he battled to believe he knew he should believe he really wanted to believe he always used to say he always used to say if only i could have if god would reveal himself to me in 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 a dramatic way he just wanted that well he was seeking that and and many years ago he he, he went away and he was uh, he was on holiday in the in the krüger park he was in a and he was in a a a, a bungalow one saturday evening the lights went out he was there all on his own he had a heart attack at midnight he cried out to the lord jesus there was a whole testimony involved he survived he came home the doctors did a test and as he sat across the desk from the physician the physician looked at him and he said george you had a massive heart attack You have no right to be alive. But George will never be the same again. And the important issue is that it wasn't the heart attack or the the surviving of the heart attack that changed his life. There in that bungalow that night, as he cried out to Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord of his life dropped from being an intellectual fact in his head to being a spiritual truth in his heart. And he would never be the same again. The great problem that we have is that we tend to want to know about God. But what we don't want to understand is that Jesus died on the cross, not just that we would know about God, that we would know him. And it makes a huge, huge difference because by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is what God ordained, that we should know him.
0: Thank you very much, Peter, for uh, this time. I pray to God that He will bless you, empower you to share with uh, people out there, with many people who don't know much about God or may not have an encounter with Jesus. They may be inspired by your experience and uh, they will take a stand for our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Be with you as you travel around here in Australia and all around the world. And um, very happy to have you on our program. Thank you very much. God bless you.
1: Thank you very much, and it's been my privilege to be with you. God bless you all.
0: Until next time, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.